Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. The preaching task is a challenging one on most Sundays, and I'm not, that's not to toot anything. It's just anyone who has to say something of meaning to, to a group of people is, is a challenging thing to do. But today I feel a particular burden, and I felt this burden all week long, because I feel very much that there are three congregations to preach to today. Some of you want to hear a word about the uptick in the virus and our excruciating decision to postpone in-person worship. We've heard from the consistory. The consistory did a beautiful job of communicating that. But you want to hear more like what is going on with that and you're struggling with that. Others of you who have become, I suspect, have become very comfortable with going to church in your pajamas and settling down on your sofa on Sunday morning. You're like, hey, let's just keep on rolling. And so you seek a word about the reign of Christ, this Sunday that is set aside as the last Sunday of the church's calendar to proclaim that the end of the story, the ultimate return and establishment of the kingdom of Jesus, we want to hear a word that it is just as complex and beautiful as the story that we have walked the entirety of this year, from Christmas through Easter through Pentecost all the way to today. We want to hear the last chapter in the story. And then others of you, who are probably also in your pajamas, but are also defrosting turkeys today, which by the way, you need to do that, you're ready to dive into the Thanksgiving holiday. Let's just do that. Let's just, you know what, in a season that is just full of junk, let's do something happy. Such is the joy and challenge of preaching. Three congregations, and then there are some of you out there who don't even fit into all three of those. And, and, and God bless you for being here today. But let me see if I can bring all of you along this morning. That all three of these unique places that we enter into this space are part of a single larger gospel message. Which simply means good news. We come today to hear good news. And let us see if we can find some on this final day of the church year that is just fraught and overlap with so much going on. And so I do want to start this morning by saying that when the consistory made this decision that we need to postpone being in here, I was struck by two things. I was struck, first of all, by the fact, just as an observer to this process, I was struck by the fact that how quickly we were all in one accord, that looking at the data, looking at what was going on, there was very much a consensus that this was the right thing to do. And the second thing I was struck by is how, how resistant all of us were to actually saying it out loud. No one wanted to be the one to break the ice. No one wanted to say, yes, this is how we move forward faithfully together. No one wanted to be the one to finally pull the trigger on this. And I was struck by that, and it told me about the weight that your church's leadership feels at every, literally every single day. Every day we get up, and we do morning prayer, and we realize the church is living and active, and every day we feel this weight of what in the world are we going to do. And as your pastor, I want to communicate that to you. Yes, decisions are being made, but they are made under heavy, heavy circumstances. But I also want you to know how proud I am that each and every one of us have used love to direct our choices that as hard as that decision was today that we chose love over convenience 
We chose love over ease. Trust me when I tell you that there are, it may very well have been easier to just say, you know what, all the numbers, forget them, let's just do it. It might have been easier to do that. And I know that we chose love over our desires because to a person, everyone's desires to be one with another in this space, worshiping Jesus on this most important day of the year. I have heard it said from time to time that the deepest friendship one can have is the kind where you can sit with someone for a long time, say absolutely nothing, and then depart feeling refreshed and connected. And if I were to speak out of my true heart today, that's all the sermon would be today. It would be nothing more than that. We just sit in the silence of this place. I just let the thing run for 10, 15, 20 minutes and let you and all of us experience sort of the emptiness that this day does bring for us lamenting that the situation has changed so that we are not where many of us would have hoped to be. Even though, even if we were here, we'd be socially distanced and masked, but at least we would be here. And so for those of us who are feeling this, we have questions to ask. And so I ask you, where is God today? Where is God as we come to grips with rising numbers that not only puts pressure on our livelihoods and on our relationships, but is also going to put pressure on some of our most important and meaningful seasons of the year. On a Sunday where we proclaim the reign of Christ, why is there still a virus? Where is Christ's rule? And have we told this story of God's goodness all year long, only to come to the ending, to the end, wondering if maybe, just maybe, it's not as true as we had hoped it would, as we hoped it was? To those of you who wrestle with those questions, I invite you to take a deep breath. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I, too, inhale and exhale. Oxygen's good for the soul. Because as Doug said, to a people whose very life was threatened by daily realities in Jerusalem, this should sound familiar to us, the author of Hebrews writes, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Another translator put it this way, let us hold fast to our creed. The first thing I hear as I read this verse is there's something deeper than our emotions. And that's a good thing. And this creed, this faith that we profess, gives us direction before we set out to try and make sense of this day and of this moment. And so as we breathe deep in the emotion of this day, whatever our faith is and however we understand God, can we not say that our hope is that we would discover a God of love and indeed have already discovered such a God? Can we not say as a community of faith that we are indeed accompanied by a God that never leaves us nor forsakes us? Hear those words again, never leaves us or forsakes us. We have not been forsaken. Do we not hear friends just over that shoulder? I'm still adjusting the camera. Do we not kneel at the foot of, it, of the cross where it tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, meaning his love is greater and bigger and wider than we had anticipated? That is deeper and more true than our emotions on this day. And so, friends, even as we feel all these things, and it's okay to feel those things, but let us also hold on to that creed. God loves us. We are not forsaken And he is accompanying us through this journey. And when we reconnect with our most fundamental convictions of faith, we are then called to remember this powerful truth. Again, the author of Hebrews calls us back, saying, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The author of Hebrews is begging us to connect with the empathy of God. Empathy meaning the ability to understand our feelings as if they were God's own. It's a powerful idea that God feels our emotions as if they were God's own emotions. We do not have a high priest in Christ who is unable to empathize, who is separated from us, who doesn't feel what we feel. Rather, we have a God who feels everything that we feel. And I take great comfort in that. Whatever we are feeling, uncertainty, fear, God understands it as if God were feeling the exact same thing. And in this, we are reminded that God is not necessarily in the business of bailing us out. We still have a ways to go. Our faith does not magically protect us from a virus. God's mission and what God is still doing is, to, is being present with us walking with us through as the psalmist writes the valley of the shadow of death which i've never experienced quite to the way i have this year god is in the business of accompanying us on our journey and that is something we can sink our teeth into we can wrap our hands around and hold on to that with everything that we are which brings me to this day this final day of the church year and no, I'm not preaching three sermons today, I promise. All right, that was the longest part of it. I'm going to shrink it down a little bit. But it does bring us to this day. When our creed says that God yearns to be present, that our, when our creed, our faith that we're holding on to, proclaims a God that dies for us while we are still sinners, not waiting to get our lives right before he gives us life, but rather giving us life while we still were running away from God, when we serve a God whose first promise is to join us in our pain and our struggles, we are reminded on this Christ the King that no one ever promised that following the King would be easy. We want it to be easy. We want to believe there's, all, there's a part of all of us that believes our faith is, has this element of genie in a bottle to it. Just do everything the right way and God will magically make everything work out. That's, that's not our faith. And because that's not our faith, we are reminded again on this day that following the king is never an easy task. We celebrate the power of the king and yet we remember that following the king takes us to uncomfortable places. And perhaps we have never had to come to grips with that as a community of faith together than we have this year. Each of us have experienced this in our own ways, and if we had time, we could share those stories. But as a community, as something that impacts all of us, maybe we've never had to wrestle with the fact that following Jesus is kind of a pain sometimes than we have this year. No one promised exemptions to the church. No one promised a life of ease. No one promised great wealth or, again, this bubble of protection. We, all we were promised was presence. And in that presence is power. Subversive, beautiful, and world-changing power. In this way, I was reminded of a story from my childhood that brought the kingship of God with great clarity to me. Being stuck in home as we are, and Jenny makes sure that I'm locked in the basement most of the time, so I'm stuck down there all by myself. No, that's a joke. She doesn't actually lock me in the basement. She could, though. She just hasn't yet. 
spend a lot of time just reconnecting with the stories that matter to me. I mean, yes, this means I've watched a lot of Star Wars over the last year. I mean, things like that. I've reconnected with some of the great sprawling stories that I've loved over the years. And every Christ the King Sunday, I'm taken back to C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And if you've ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, if you haven't read that series, it's worth it. It's not a heavy lift, but it is powerful. In his first book entitled The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there are four children who are magically transported to this land called Narnia, where they are threatened by the presence of what is it called the White Witch. And the White Witch has made a perpetual winter out of everything. And the other characters who are there will remind you that it's perpetual winter with no Christmas. That's miserable. But there is a sense, as Narnia becomes aware that there are these human children wandering around, there is a sense that maybe things are about to change. Maybe these kids signal that something is going to happen. And as the children journey through Narnia, they run into Mrs. and Mrs. Beaver, who, yes, are actually beavers, who have heard rumors that when the prophesied children arrive, that may also signal that Aslan may too arise the only one with the power to counter the white witch and to restore Narnia. The thing that complicates this for everybody, it's great to hear, oh, the king is coming back. The problem is is that Aslan happens to be a lion, a humongous lion. And so obviously this makes the children a little nervous. I mean, they're already dealing with talking beavers, and now they're like, wait a second, got to deal with a lion? This doesn't sound great. So the children ask Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, they're like, is he safe? Is the king safe? Is Aslan going to be okay? And Mrs. Beaver, like most of our wonderful saints, the elder church ladies, it looks at them incredulously and says, safe? Mrs. Beaver replied, of course he's not safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And that line still puts tears behind my eyes. Of course he's not safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. As this year draws to a close and we are invited to reflect, there is a lesson that we've been called to learn this year unlike any other. It's not a lot of safety in our faith. Our faith does not protect us from viruses. Our beliefs do not insulate us from the struggles of the world. The witness of the church, filled as it is with martyrs and controversy and struggle and discovery, reminds us that there is little that is safe when we start on this journey. But there is incredible goodness. Our king is not safe, but our king is incredibly good. This is what Ezekiel saw as he spoke to the people of Israel, who were struggling with similar circumstances to our own. He says, thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for the sheep and will seek them out. A reminder that God isn't just sending us into the danger. God is joining us in the danger. God is actively working. God is living and active in our world. I will go out and I will, I will find the sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. God goes to the difficult places 
to the dangerous places to rescue God's people. It's almost as if God is drawn to this adventure. God wants to find us in our weakness so that he can pull us in, rescuing us from that. So we experience weakness, but it's like God is looking for that weakness because that's precisely the place we'll know that we have been saved. And if this is true, then God is uniquely present to us this year. This good king has entered our struggles and is present. As our benediction that we read every single morning says, may he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. Yes, there are wildernesses and storms and we have encountered this, but we have made it thus far by faith. We have made it this far by prioritizing the most vulnerable among us. We've made it this far by setting a heavy example of love for our neighbors. God is so good. And because God is that good, my friends, hold on to the fact that green pastures are coming, my friends. Our God is not safe, but our God is good. And so what would our response be on this day other than thanksgiving? What wells up inside of me as I think of you all and your incredible service and your incredible patience is the same feeling I used to get about this time cleaning out the cows. No, I am not comparing you to cows. Slow down with that. But as I was thinking, I was just sharing, we've been working on our pig barn a lot, and it's brought a lot of memories back about what November often meant for us growing up on the dairy farm. I remember spending a lot of cold November days cleaning out the free stalls and putting new bedding in so that the animals would be warm through the winter, or at least get them started as, as the temperatures really do start to dip down into freezing. And for whatever reason, my little, my little brain always remembers it. Whenever I think back on that, I always remember it as cold and rainy. It could never just be cold and it could never just rain. It always had to do both things at the same time. And yet we trudged on. It's one of the beautiful things about dairy farming. Nobody really cares about how you feel half the time. You just got to trudge on and you do it. Why? Because the cows need care for it. And then it would be done. Hours and hours and hours of scooping out manure and putting in fresh sand and all that. And then you know what we would do? We would go inside for a warm shower. Our parents would put us in some comfy dry clothes. Come up with something warm, whether it was soup or, or the, the, uh, the quintessential Pennsylvania Dutch dish, which was always green beans, potatoes, and ham. And then we'd collapse on the sofa, complete with a tired, accomplished exhale, which is full of goodness. We have done something good. We were miserable for most of it, but we did something good. It is to that feeling I want to call us this Thanksgiving. Have we enjoyed this year? Has it been full of rainbows and sunshine and warm temperatures as we seek to do our good work? Seems doubtful. Have we screamed at times for God to simply deliver us from evil? You bet. But has God been good? Has God been good? Has something good happened? Story after story, smile after smile, distance hug but after distance hug says, you bet God has been good. So this week, let yourselves feel the goodness of God. Put into your own mouths the beautiful words of Psalm 95, who says, come, let us sing to the Lord, for the Lord is a great God and a great king over all the gods, and we are the people of his pasture. It's not just a suggestion. 
to praise God, but neither is it a command. It is an invitation. Friends, we are always invited, which seems weird for a king. Wouldn't you expect that the king would just say, hey, get in here and do the things I tell you to do? But that's not our king. Our king simply invites us. As we conclude this unthinkable year, tired and worn, maybe a little chilly, may we also rediscover the essential truth that while following after Jesus is never easy, following after Jesus is always good. And may the praise that we can muster, the thanksgiving that we allow to squeak out of us, may it be a balm to our soul and enliven us for the work that yet lies ahead.